Hello everybody, this is Anthony John Agnello, Senior Social Editor at Games Radar, and welcome to episode 44 of the Radio Radar podcast. This week on the show, we actually have a special guest in the form of Alexander Slewinski of Biffle Games. And he is here to talk about the strange world of fan games, namely the Metroid 2 remake called AM2R, and Nintendo's relationship with both that remake and the series at large. After talking about Metroid, we dive into No Man's Sky, exploring the vagaries of Hello Games' big space exploration game, and then move on to Kingsglaive Final Fantasy XV, the prequel movie to the upcoming Japanese RPG Final Fantasy XV. And, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, everybody, but Kingsglaive is amazing. Listen on. I like the way you work in No diggity! I got to bag it up, bag it up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Radio Radar. This is episode 44, and if you think the summer of hot 90s R&B slow jams on Radio Radar (laughs) is going to stop anytime soon, you are dead freaking wrong. So wrong! So deeply wrong. Is it bag it up or back it up? It's bag it up. Wait, bag you can it go up? go to Wait. go to songmeanings.net and it's bag it See, up. Because that's what I said, but then is, my wife said it's back it up. I'm Wait, like, is that no. okay? Or is no. it bag it up as in like wrap that rascal? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, okay. I think it's like that. Right. I like I, look. We're gonna save the we're gonna save all of our Black Street continuity discussion <laughs> for the end of the podcast. Okay, that's when that's when we'll get to it. Okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am Anthony John Agnello, senior social editor at Games Radar, and with me today is executive editor Susan Arndt, a devotee of '90s R and B. And we also have Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. The return of the Mac right here. I'm going to keep bringing that up every week. I'll, I'll see if I can fit it in. And we, we have a very, very special guest with us today. Bithel Games' own Alexander Slowinski. I'm back. He's back! Back in the New York Groove is not a 90s R&B song, which is why I'm not going to sing it. I was, I was going to uh, go with Backstreet's Back, but let's just, let's just uh, move on. Let's just move on. I was actually, this is a true story. Oh God. I was in col- college at the, at the ripe old age of 19, wandering around 19, uh, 2001 with my shitty faux dreads, and a girl at a coffee shop actually walked up to me and said... Are you Joey Fatone? Oh! Oh! <laughs> and that's when I was like, I need to change the shape of my goatee. Stop. I would have guessed Chris Kirkpatrick. Say me too! Yeah, yeah. I, I think Chris Kirkpatrick saying is a little bit more likely. But yeah, the Fatone factor. Okay, wait, I, like, wait a I was minute. Like, I, I have long hair. I need to back up. Why were your dreads faux? Mm. Because I didn't want... Because real dreads are nasty, Susan. Uh, well, yes. Cause so I spent I spent a solid twenty eight minutes uh-huh. every morning using three different kinds of product uh. to twist up my hair so I could basically look like an even greasier Adam Duritz did, all day. Did you look like wow. one of those like the bad guy from Matrix Reloaded? Those two. Yes, I, I li- okay. uh, yes that but with black hair. Okay, exactly, and a Joey Fatone beard. That's what was happening. <laughs> okay, okay, it felt really good. Wow, that's... So, <laughs> Gosh. Also, so 
I just okay, want to point out, ahead. I graduated college when I was 19. Boom! Oh, snap! Holy crap, really? Yeah. Oh, were you just, did you start early, or did you just, like, blaze through? I, <laughs> well, 420. I mean, both, I, literally <laughs> and metaphorically. Uh, no, I, I, I did a year of college while I was in high school, and I skipped a year of high school, so... I'm really oh, good damn. at school. I don't. I can't do anything else. I have no actual real world skills, but school, I I uh, have mastered. So yeah, now, now I feel like really inadequate. I didn't graduate college till I was twenty nine. No, so you're just. My, I just had to get my life together, really. Well, yeah, you were you were busy having a life and a family and stuff. You were doing actual important things. <laughs> right. Alexander and I were busy going to the exact same raves <laughs> that, uh, in New York City. Going to the limelight, and right? Going to the limelight and wearing, like, gold spangled shirts. Actually, I wasn't wearing a gold spangled shirt. It was just way too tight, shimmery black oh, t-shirts. God. Oh, God. Oh. Mine, was, mine like, was shimmery silver. Shimmery silver. See, I had, the, I had the silver vinyl blonde. pants. And I was blonde. And yeah. I had uh, long, long cargo pants. Uh, that oh uh, made 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 my butt look really good. That all the all the drag queens would compliment my butt. Ooh, nice! Alexander, did you have the pair, the uh, cargo pants that you had to tie up at the bottom? I certainly did because they were. Oh yeah. god! Oh god! Yeah. Oh. That's how you know they were good, Susan. Jesus! Oh god! <laughs> it was a dark time. It was a real so dark we time. we did not ask Alexander to come on the show so that he could talk about his raving past. No, we, totally could. <laughs> we totally could. We, we will do, one day we'll do the Steve Aoki's Cake podcast where we cast. just, we do the rave cast. <laughs> That'll happen. We can, we can, but, all, we can all do our glow stick twirling uh, exercises. Yeah. Well, you gotta, you gotta keep those fingers limber. Glow stick twirling does not jive with people who play video games all the time. Because you get that carpal tunnel, you gotta you gotta stretch it out to maximize your finger limberness. No, we asked Alexander to come on, not just because uh, we we are uh, enjoying his work with Bithel Games over the past eighteen months, uh, helping get the game volume out the door. And the Alexander, what is the name of the volume VR PSVR spinoff? Coda. I can't remember. Yeah, Coda. So, so we have volume Coda coming out for PlayStation exclusively. I have to do it like that. Exclusively <laughs> for PlayStation VR this yeah. October, right? It's still October. Yeah, it's October. Yes, Let's it's it's October. Do, does Kaz come to your house and like say like end all sentences with only on PlayStation? You have to, or I'll break your thumb. Is that not happening? I cannot comment on rumor and speculation. <laughs> it has to be better only than... Only on PlayStation. <laughs> only on PlayStation. It has to be better than always calling the Xbox One the all-in-one entertainment system from Microsoft. Oh, like God. That had to uh, be That's not still a thing. No, it's not. No, it, uh, the, the, Xbox, the Xbox's new slogan is Xbox One S. It's the console we should have released two years ago. you like it. Scorpios, and you'll trade don't it worry it about next it. Year. Don't worry about it. That's the actual. That's the actual slogan. It actually says Scorpio is ellipses. Don't worry about it. That's what, <laughs> that's what it says on the posters at the, on the Best Buy flyer. Uh, so we we actually I I asked you Alexander to come on the show to talk about what I think is the most interesting game released in the past week and a half. It's not No Man's Sky. We'll get to that. It's A M. 
2R, another Metroid 2 remake. And if anybody is unfamiliar with this game, another Metroid 2 remake is a Super Metroid-style reimagining of the old Game Boy Metroid from 1990. This has been worked on by just a few people down in Argentina, and it is a fan game that has been in production since 2006. And most fan games are in development for six months. There's a Facebook page and a Steam community for them, and everybody's really pumped. And then the people making it are like, uh, I, I don't, I'm bored. I'm not doing any of this. And then it languishes for 10 years, and everybody enjoys it, like the GeoCities page memories after that. This is one that actually got finished. And not only did it get finished, it is executed on a level that is as professional and high quality as an actual Nintendo. Yeah, it's basically Zero Mission, but for Metroid 2. It's basically Zero... It's, I, would, I would argue that it's better than Zero Mission. It is a better game yes. than Zero Mission. It is, it is awesome and filled with original art and all of this great stuff. Because of the update it, or because of it being so faithful to Metroid 2? All of the above. Okay. Like, the update... Like it, I would say it's incredibly faithful to Metroid 2... You know, on the stream this past week, we played both the remake and Metroid 2, and everything from Metroid 2 is in there, but they added so much stuff. There were, there were actually, like, puzzle mechanics that are entirely new to the Metroid series that feel perfectly in place. Like, it, it genuinely feels like a Nintendo game. Uh, and... Unfortunately, so wait. They, so not they, only did they make it, but they upgraded it as well. Oh, they yeah. Oh, they upgraded it. Okay. Yeah, like you can new um, art. One of uh, Samus's moves from Fusion, where she could like latch on to uh, ledges and then use them mm -hmm. to jump up to higher ledges. That's in this remake, which wasn't in the Game Boy version. And they built the levels around that mechanic. Yeah, and new bosses. Like there are there are like whole new and not like. Oh, they ripped this sprite art from one of the other Metroid games. Like, no, they made it. They made all of this new art, and they made these new mechanics, and it's and it's new really backstory. Wonderful. Yeah, new it's... backstory. It's incredible. Uh, I there there's actually a hidden area in the game that is straight out of Alien. Like even more straight out of Alien than the original game, and it's is that the sequel to Straight Out of Compton? It's straight, yeah, okay. straight out of Alien is the, well, that's canonical with Are We There Yet? Okay, And it's okay, the Ice okay. Cube trilogy. Gotcha. So you start with Straight Out of Compton, <laughs> then it's Straight Out of Alien. And it's the prequel then to it's Contra. Our, gotcha. Okay, okay, Contra. carry on, sorry. So they released the game on August 6th. It's the 30th anniversary of the original Metroid. And by Monday, Nintendo of America has... In, released DMCA takedown notices to every single file hosting service in the land. There is now, after 48 hours, no place to get this game. They have not distributed a cease and desist to the developer. So he can continue to make updates for the game, he can continue to work on it, but he is no longer allowed to distribute in any way. Hold up, roll that back. They did not send a C&D to it. No, no C&D, only DMCA takedown notices for file hosting. Okay. So it's a very, very strange situation. And That's walking a line. That's definitely yeah, walking a line. Walking a weird line. Now, Alexander, you, you started in game journalism and have made the crossover into running mm -hmm. a gaming studio. Yep. 
And I, I am curious. You know, I think a lot of people online will sit there and look at what's happened with Metroid, the Metroid 2 remake, and immediately go, fuck you, Nintendo! You bastards! Look at <laughs> all this hard work! <laughs> yeah, like, commenter voice. Commenter voice, oh, fucking Nintendo! You got, you got shot yourself in the foot! I would just like uh, to say that Games Radar commenters are really very lovely people. Yes, we love you. Yes, we love we you love, we, We're not talking about you guys. Except not, that one guy. Except for that one guy. That one guy <laughs> who, who, Su- yeah. who Susan found his 500-word comment the other day. Uh, that is that guy's voice. Oh, I saw that. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. They, yes, that is that guy's voice. Yeah, that's that guy's voice. Yeah. So, Alexander, you're in, the, you're in a unique position to understand what a game maker needs to do to protect their intellectual property. So my, I guess my question for you is why would Nintendo not want this out there? And why would Nintendo say, hey, why wouldn't they say, hey, why don't we just take your game that you worked so hard on, clean it up, and then we'll release it on our own store as a, as a piece of community engagement? Okay, so I'm going to preface this by saying that I am not an attorney. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm not speaking legally here, nor uh, as a person who runs a business am I uh, allowed to comment on another person's business. So in no point in this conversation am I commenting on, uh, on, on a legal stance or on uh, what Nintendo should be doing. Now, put mm-hmm. that out of the way. When you have a trademark, uh, so for example, Nintendo has a trademark, and you can go to the United States Patent and Trademark Office website and look that up. Uh, you have to protect that trademark. And by protecting that trademark, it means uh, that it's got to be stuff that you make, uh, that you do. Uh, If someone else makes something, then you would license that uh, to them uh, to allow them to to create such things. So, for example, the the most obvious throwback uh, on this one to contextualize is that several years ago, uh, Notch from uh, uh, formerly of Mojang, uh, creators of Minecraft, uh, was creating another game called Scrolls, to which Bethesda, uh, which creates the Elder Scrolls series, uh, stepped in and said, no, 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 you can't, you can't use that word Scrolls, to which the internet, as it does, uh, turns, it's a totally different thing, man, like, what do you, it's, it's, it's not even the same game, it's not the Elder Scrolls, um, so, you can't. Is Lord Michaels the one who's going on to, to forums to complain about scrolls? Was that what's happening? I don't know. Uh, but, the, but the thing was is that uh, there was some back and forth there, uh, and, and I'm sure you can go back and look at that little saga. But what ended up being is that, no, Bethesda has to protect uh, its trademarks. And the problem is if you do not protect a trademark, you lose it. It's gone. And then anyone who's anyone can step in and and start using that trademark. And lawyers, therefore, have to protect every single instance of someone violating or getting close to violating a trademark. They are obligated to do it. Mm. So mm. that's the that's the first layer on on the Metroid thing. Now, if we go a little bit deeper the question becomes well why didn't they license it and this is where the mm-hmm. speculation can really take off because i don't know the answer to that so sure. for example 
if someone were to take uh, one of our titles like uh, Thomas Was Alone or Volume and use the same art or use Thomas Was Alone uh, or Volume uh, in, in, in putting their game on Steam or whatever, I would be obligated to step in at that point and be like, no, 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 don't do it. Now, of course, if they're they're doing something that's really nice, you can obviously see how the internet or others would step in and be like, oh, it's not really fair. Like, you know, it's just a game about rectangles. So uh, how can how can rectangles uh, be be trademarked or copyright or anything like? That? Okay, so in terms of copyright, the minute you make it, it's a copyright. That's it. It's done. Uh, trademark is a process. There's a, you 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 have to spend money. You go through a whole legal. Uh, situation and that is how you get a trademark so if someone were to violate the Thomas was alone trademark or make anything along those lines I would be obligated to have my attorney step in and say no you can't do that now there are other ways we could theoretically handle it that is softer but if you're if you're Bethesda or Nintendo no that's what you pay lawyers for. They go and do that. Right, right. And they, and those and those lawyers are are literally part of that legal team. Their entire job is to just sit there and wait and search for any of this stuff popping up. And they are obligated. Like, they are obligated to go after it the minute they see it. They yeah. have to. And, That's the way you keep the trademark. And and let let's never forget that Nintendo. You know, again, like we can't we can't speak with any kind of authority about Nintendo's actual decision making here, but there is a long history of Nintendo being so aggressive mm-hmm. about legally protecting their intellectual property that I you know, there's the incident where uh, this is years ago at this point, like 2004 or 5, but a Suicide Girls blog post just used the word Metroid. That was it. It was one of Suicide Girls' models was like, I enjoy Metroid. And (laughs) Nintendo sent a legal takedown request to the website Suicide Girls, but you have to take that down. You guys, your your pornographic website is not allowed to talk about Metroid at all. Did you hear about, like, there's a guy in Seattle a couple years ago that was trying to hold a Pokemon party and sent out invites with Pokemon characters on it. And the Pokemon company actually, like... (laughs) took him to court for several like for a lot of money like you can't use our intellectual property to advertise your events without our permission hmm yeah so yeah that's what you got to do you got to do that and there is again like there there are there are the people out there that sit there and say why wouldn't nintendo look at this and look at it as a community building moment and say, you know, we're just going to allow this to be out Now, that's They're where not things get interesting. Often. Like, that's, yeah. that's where we we do have to acknowledge that we are in an interesting place and that all of us on this podcast are of an age where we knew the time before where yes. it really was just take everything down. And we know the events of having... Uh, community support and Kickstarter mm-hmm. and all of these other things that sort of get a little bit mixed. Now, my sort of favorite go-to example on this is, I believe, uh, uh, I believe it was Club Penguin. When Club Penguin was acquired by Disney, and stop me here, Anthony, if I'm saying any of this wrong. Uh, when when it was acquired by Disney, 
uh, Club Penguin's big thing uh, at that time was taking ideas that people had in the forums and mm-hmm. implementing them in Club Penguin. Disney's attorneys, once they heard of this after acquiring the property, just lost it. They're like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? You do what? You take people's you take people's ideas and then you put them in the game? You're going to get us sued. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, that's the property you acquired. Like, that's- And it's also, it's also, that's our business model. Yeah. Like, like if anybody, if anybody listening doesn't know what Club Penguin is, think about it as, you know, uh, sort of like Meverse almost, but with for pay accoutrements, mm-hmm. you know, like the business model that has made League of Legends and all that stuff a huge success this, this is where it came from. So, Club Penguin was the original hat store game. So that's my that's my mental transition point, like right yeah. there, where the the new era begins, where you have you have these classically trained lawyers, part of classically <laughs> done corporate trademark law, coming face to face with this moment of oh, wow, you take ideas from people and you actually implement them. Oh, this is so, so bad. Uh, and and it, and it continues from there, right? Because that's then, then we have the era of Kickstarter and we do have the mm-hmm. era of community feedback. And even massive corporations began to realize, you know, the there is a balance that you can try to achieve. It takes a lot of work, but there's a balance you can try to achieve. Now, when something like this comes along for uh, uh, so i will use i will use our business as an example if someone oh and please mike when you hear this recording don't get mad at me (laughs) if someone were to take thomas was alone for example and make it an unreal engine and just you know turn turn the pretty up to a thousand and do a bunch of interesting things with it, I would be obligated to send them a C&D, uh, a cease and desist, and you know have our lawyer step in and everything like that. But depending on the scale of pretty, <laughs> depending on the scale of sure. good, I might have to negotiate with them and be like, listen, <laughs> you're going to get, you know... 10% off of uh, whatever we end up selling this for. Uh, but it you're you're obviously using our, our intellectual property. Uh, here's here's what the offer is and but we're going to move forward as this is a property of ours and we will let this go forward. And you see the undeniable opportunity in that kind of thing. Yes. You know, like this this to me is I, I look at this situation and, like, I cannot stress enough, this Metroid 2 remake is amazing. It's incredible. It's, I, it's like, the most it's, exciting thing to come out of the Metroid franchise in, like, a decade. Over a decade. Since 2002, since the original Metroid Prime and Metroid Fusion, this is the best thing that has had the Metroid name on it since then. And this is incredibly high quality, and it's a moment where your fan base for this series is already diminishing. They're all getting older. 
and, you know, the ones that have stuck around are increasingly weird about your series. They, they have very specific ideas about what they want from it. And it's not and, Federation Force. And it's, but, and it's but not Anthony, the you new have to be You have to be forward-thinking to even come to that sure. realization. So which is where that weird little bit that you brought up where they didn't send a C&D... Right. And they just are sort of kind of letting it happen, but not letting it happen. Is, it's a baby step. Is this weird in-between yeah. step or world. And I, I think there is, I think there is opportunity in having something like that, like that out there, especially when it, when it enhances a brand that has uh, not achieved its potential. Uh, yeah. Over the last several years, so that there's a there's an in, interesting in between thing to go after there, but you would have to you would have to be of the new world, like you would yes. have yeah. to be of of a time where you aren't attacking everything, and you would have to work through the legal. And the interesting thing is that Nintendo has these folks dead to rights; like there is nothing that they can do that Nintendo couldn't make them some form of reasonable offer or even an unreasonable offer totally. and they wouldn't or shouldn't take it because at least then their work gets out there and then you know whether it's working for Nintendo or trying to get a job someplace else that's on your resume that looks fantastic um, mm -hmm. And also, you negotiated with Nintendo, which good on you. Uh, if you <laughs> right, you've achieved the impossible. Like you, you, you get bonus points for doing that. Uh, but that's that's where it is. It's it's the old it's the old world versus the new. But to argue that oh, what Nintendo isn't doing is is you know what Nintendo is doing is wrong is just factually inaccurate, as yeah. Yeah. they are obligated to do so. Yeah, it's and, it's in preparation for this. It was interesting to see that there is a precedent in the industry for a a massive old school gaming publisher coming in and seeing somebody working with their intellectual property in the fan community and not deciding to make money off it but distributing it. And a few years ago, you know, uh, Capcom. Has, it, Mega Man is no longer uh, a thing for the Capcom <laughs> business. They're they're perfectly happy to continue to sell the old games, but that's it. But when you know the series' big 25th anniversary rolled around in in 2012, they didn't let it go by unmarked. What they did was they took a game that a fan in Singapore made called Street Fighter Cross uh, Mega Man, and just put it out. Yep. Like, Capcom started hosting this 8-bit-styled game where Mega Man could fight all the characters from Street Fighter 2. And they, they were like, here's this awesome thing that you guys made with our characters. We'll host it and distribute it ourselves, and it'll be our gift to you. Well, Sega and... did that, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah, with, uh, like, Chris Whitehead. The, uh, he, he gussied up this port of uh, Sega CD for, for mobile phones. Like actually made it work, and then Sega came to him and was like, "Hey, can you can you like do this for real, for us?" And now he's making a essentially the Sonic game that everybody says that they want, 
but like outside of Team Sonic, it's like. But him that's the and... logical thing to do. The yeah, logical right. thing to do is if all these people have put in free labor to get your IP, <laughs> free labor, like to get your IP to a place where it is getting rave reviews, and you don't take that opportunity to take full advantage of it. I'm sorry. Do, do you business? <laughs> do you have like do you have cards printed up, Alexander, that actually say do you even business, bro? <laughs> do <you even> business? <laughs> do you even know how to business? Uh now I really want to see an Unreal Engine for Thomas was alone. I got to say, I that's now a thing that I, I, I would play that. I'm waiting for Mike now to come to me and be like, did you really just do that? And I'd be like, but it, <laughs> if it happens, I mean, are you going to be mad? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'll find out when he hears this. Yeah, see, Alexander, I was thinking like, also, you know, everything that you just said about the way, you know, if you're making a game and then that game is out there and then people like your game... The way you have to sort of embrace the audience's relationship with that is so weird at this point. And it really does change the way that you have to business. You oh, know, I'll, give I, you, I, I'll give you a super weird one. So, no, we absolutely get the folks. It's, it's, the, it's, it's like the, the Steam blackmail thing um, mm. where, where you'll get messages saying, like, either send me a code or I'm going to give you a negative review on Steam. <laughs> Um, the, the, the one, the, the, the other version of that that I see a bunch is because, um, Thomas was alone's art style, uh, is it, a lot of work actually did go into it. And the interesting thing is that, uh, we will see examples of folks sending us a message saying like, Hey, uh, I made this thing and it's, it, I mean, it is, it's, it's infringing. Uh, is it okay? And it's like, oh, wait, what? Oh, oh, no, no, no. But you, but you also don't want to react to it because then it's like, oh, these guys are trying to keep me down, and I'm just, you know, trying to, I'm trying to do this like fan thing. But it's like you're not elevating anything. Like it's just, right. it's, it's, it's a, it's a student project. Like this, yeah. we, we, when we are talking about this, and we are talking about actually engaging the creators to them. Uh, essentially seeing the, seeing the better idea uh of of going for the license or, or actually using it we're talking about like taking thomas and really like elevating it the way this metroid thing from from just the way you're all talking about it it's elevated it's not just your yeah. hd remake it's not just mm -hmm. you know a, a whatever it actually elevated this game and that's that's what i'm talking about when i'm saying uh, you know, engaging, engaging with the IP holders and potentially doing something. Don't, don't just try to rip them off. Um, right. Like several yeah. Kickstarters that we've seen uh, in recent memory, uh, just taking an IP that's not yours and then trying to get money for it and be, and, and going forward. That's no, that's not the way this works. And it certainly isn't the way that you're going to get positive energy uh, off of it. Right. It's like that. It's like that crazy, you know, Nutbar, who went on to Kickstarter and was like, I'm going to fund a Star Wars role-playing game. <laughs> Star Wars role-playing games for Just everybody. like I always wanted. I Star haven't contacted 
Lucasfilm or Disney or Electronic Arts about my project, but give me $50,000. It will be done in a year. <laughs> I've never made a game before. And that I've is never... that is a high-profile example of something that happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And and you, you have to, in the case of Metroid, I, Nintendo is also in the unique position where, really... Their games were the original fan games. You know, hacks of Super Mario Brothers were, you know, Doom would not exist if two little nerds named John Romero and John Carmack weren't sitting around and trying to make a hacked version of Super Mario Brothers 3 that would run on an Apple. That is how they made the Wolfenstein engine. John Carmack is the guy who cracked the mystery of scrolling on a Mac because he was making a Super Mario Brothers 3 ripoff. Like, that that world of remaking Nintendo's games has existed for almost 30 years at this point. And they're in a, a an unenviable position of probably being the most imitated company by the community that is out there, but also being the oldest and, and in the worst position in terms of being maneuverable in how to embrace things like the Metroid 2 remake. I, I and... remember I remember when Gears of War came out, there was, uh, what are they called? Money dolls? Muni dolls? Oh, yeah. M-U-N-N-Y. Money dolls. Money dolls. So there was a money doll made of Marcus Phoenix, and uh, it got covered on a bunch of sites. And Epic sent a C&D to this guy's house uh, telling him to, you know, he, I mean, it was just a money doll. It wasn't getting distributed or anything like that. But the lawyers are just paying attention for anything that will cause a trigger. And then they sent him a C&D. And uh, I ended up calling up uh, Mark Rain, who's like the head of Epic. <laughs> and at that time, you could, this I mean, this is the mid-2000s. So, like... Um, you could still call up Mark Rain and just get him on the phone on a Sunday and he's there playing with his kid at the office and we talk for like two hours and he's just like, oh, no, um, I'm really sorry about this. We're going to we're going to get that fixed. And like, you know, it, it got fixed. Uh, yeah. But, you know, even even he didn't know that that happened there. So it also and that was a time when Epic was still a very small company, really. Well, no, like, they were still making bank off of. Oh, they were making engine. bank, but I'm I'm just talking about scale. Like you know, they yeah. they weren't. Mark Rain wasn't so <laughs> I can divorced. Call up Mark Rain, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Mark Rain isn't so divorced from legal at that point <laughs> that it's impossible that he wouldn't know about it. You know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's a weird time, and un- unfortunately. I wish that we could say, just go play this game. Like, go out there and, and freaking play this game. Uh, because it's very... It, it's not the easiest thing to access anymore. You know, there are uh, there are ways to get to it, but, you know... But we, we are not people. going to tell you any of them. We're, yeah, yeah. We're not you're, you are yeah, in... It's, it's a legal gray area. <laughs> you're intelligent, savvy people. If you are really interested, you can figure it out. Or... You can watch our stream. Yes, we we have a nice chunky ninety minute walkthrough of another Metroid Two remake that anybody can go to GamesRadar.com and watch. And then, Susan, I'm really curious. 
What does Domestic Samus think of the Metroid 2 remake? Domestic Samus just <laughs> thinks that what really counts is how the men feel about it. And, <laughs> and, and do they like it? And, and, and that's really, at the end of the day, a woman's most important thing is to know if the man is happy. God. <laughs> as long as those boys so susan this is amazing i don't know if you saw me post this up but you know sort of spurred on by this metroid 2 remake i i was trying to read a bunch about metroid 2 mm-hmm. and and you know read stuff about its development and i actually found and it this is a site that has been online since 1996 and it kind of looks that way but Ooh, it's amazing yeah. The Metroid Database. I love it. And in the Metroid Database, they had all of these translated interviews and features that were included in the Super Metroid guidebook that came out in Japan. And I shit you not, they had, in the middle of this guidebook, they brought in a newspaper astrologist. (laughs) They brought in the woman who wrote horoscopes for this Japanese newspaper. Okay. To interpret Samus's dreams. Oh my god. Wow. Wow. Yes. To interpret Samus's dreams, and there are little, like, one-panel, like, Ziggy-style cartoons of a little super-deformed Samus and the baby Metroid from Super Metroid. It got, like, illustrating the interpretations of... The astrologer. Wow, and, that is yeah. the only way that could possibly be more Japanese is if it was on some kind of oddly flavored treat. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like like a milk flavored Kit Kat exactly. bar is included yes, with it. Exactly. <laughs> so so the last one of them is freaking incredible. Is it's it, uh, basically like well based on this dream of Samus the bounty hunter is destined to raise this child on her own without a lover at her side. Oh my god, stop and, it, and there, stop. there is a drawing of Samus, <sighs> like, gazing off to the distance, and there is katakana written on the side of it, and it translates to... <laughs> unmarried mother. Oh my god, stop <laughs> it. Stop! And I was like, holy shit, domestic Samus is real! Domestic Samus is canonical! When you you move away from traditional bounty hunter values and you put your career (laughs) first, it's not really surprising that you're going to come home to an empty house. (laughs) (laughs) An empty spaceship shaped like your own head. No, no, no. What? Like your heart. <laughs> oh, it went to the darkest place. Oh, my God. Domestic Samus actually, like, was born in the darkest yeah, place. Yeah, I was going to say, just, Domestic Samus comes from a very, very dark place. So Very dark place. Yeah. See, so I, th- I thought you were going to say that in this in this Metroid wiki that there was an entry for Domestic Samus. Oh, no. Like, well, wish. of course there is. Don't be <laughs> silly, Anthony. Uh, speaking of going to the darkest place, oh uh, while, while I've been playing the Metroid 2 remake all week, everybody else in the world has been playing, uh, the game that they all thought was going to be, like, living out Firefly. Take me out to the black. 
I'm not gonna sing the rest Thank of the Thank God, because oh my God, I'm that not song doing is terrible. It. I was gonna do it, Stop. Susan. I was thinking about it. Uh, everybody's been playing No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky, the the space exploration game by Hello Games, like that I don't think has ever been hyped. I don't think any indie game has ever been hyped like this ever. No, of course not. It's it's an unprecedented level of of expectations, and now it's out, and some people love it some people uh hate it because it's not what they thought it was going to be it's very uh people are very passionate about no man's sky and you in particular are very passionate about it susan uh i have i've been giving it a lot of thought uh, and and i have come up with what i believe is the perfect analogy for people's reactions to no man's sky it is the cilantro of video games (laughs) (laughs) it sure is it is that and the thing is, like, everybody agrees what the gameplay is like. Everybody agrees what the experience is like. And then they either hate that or they enjoy it. And everybody's right. Like, whatever, whichever side you come down on, you are entirely correct. Because remember, if you don't like cilantro, it's a chemical issue with your body. Correct. It's not really? your fault. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah it's, it's genetic. It's genetic, yeah. The whole it tasting it's, like soap thing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, some people just hate it. Wow. This is yeah. also true of people who can smell uh, eucalyptus plants. Wow. Oh, my God. Well, that actually, like, that, yeah. Because it seems like some people who have played, Dave, one of your friends, has just been in writing tweets about No Man's Sky that read, like, what Peter Stormare's character yeah, in no, The Big he, Lebowski he sounds, would say about sounds it. sounds like he's writing suicide letters. Like, he, like he's full <laughs> on, like, like, the nihilist from The Big Lebowski. Yeah, but and about like, this game. But about this game. So, I, Susan, yes. you you likened the experience of playing No Man's Sky to like being everyone in the background of the Star Trek. Universe. Yes, it's you, it is very much like you are everybody else in Star Trek. So, okay, so you know how in Star Trek, the Enterprise is you know oh we're dropping off at Run before to check in with the scientists and then something happens while they're there and they have to fix it or. There's, they get a distress signal from somebody who's crashed on a planet, whatever. Okay, you're that person. You're the person. You are the scientists who are doing the geological survey of the undiscovered planet. You are the person who is just dropping stuff off at the space station to to sell it for credit so you can buy a bigger ship. You are that person, right? And for me, that's that's what I find engaging about it because if I want to be the star of the show, the hero saving the universe and getting into big fights, da, 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 there are a zillion games for that. We, we got you covered. Like just go play mass effect again. It's awesome. You're, you're fine. This is for, and it is, and, it, and this is where people who say it's boring and repetitious are completely right. It's a very, very mundane experience of mm. just walking around and going, Oh wow. What's that? Oh, I wonder what that... Oh, look at that tree. It's... I mean, that's really all it is. But for me, that's what the reality of space exploration would be. The kind of the kind of space stories that I really enjoy are the early, dirtier ones. The ones where we're still figuring out how, sure. how stuff works in the universe. And we're still dying a lot because we, we haven't gotten it right yet. And we're not... It, we're, we're vulnerable and we've left Earth because that's what you do. You go out and you explore. But it's like, oh, crap. This planet is toxic. I, oh, God. Shelter. <laughs> I need shelter. Oh, God. Like last night I was on this planet 
it was it was the second icy planet that I've that I've been on. My starter planet was super super icy, like negative sixty seven Celsius all day. But I had that down. I'm like, whatever. I got the shielding. I am fine. But now there's storms you can be exposed mm. to. So I'm out walking around like just being a tool. Like, hey, I'm going to take a picture of that animal. And a storm comes in. And all of a sudden, my shielding is dropping like a stone. I'm like, oh, God, do I have enough zinc? Is there a cave? Can I, can I recharge my shields? Am I going to die out here? Like, and that's what it would actually be like. You know, hey, what happens when you die? I ah, haven't died okay. yet. When you die, uh, you will respawn at whatever your last restoration point was. It might be your ship. It might be a beacon on the planet. It might be a space station. Whatever. Uh, you will have a grave where you died. You go back to the grave. Oh. You get all your stuff back. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it does it like little Dark Soulsy. It's, yeah. Go back to your get your stuff. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And it, it's. Uh, it's and the gravestone is the symbol from the front of the box. Correct. Oh, all right, cool. It's it's the the it's the weird dot. It's the spells from Ocarina of Time. That is correct. Because that's that's literally what those things are. That's yeah. I I I find I've only played about an hour and a half. Okay. Uh, which I mean, as you guys know, is nothing. Like I repaired my ship. I explored a chunk of the first planet I was on, and then I flew to a beacon mm-hmm. on the second planet that it told me to go to. Okay. And I met a guy who looks like one of the dudes from Daft Punk. That's literally what happened. Like, I walked into a building. He has on the Daft Punk robot helmet. And he, he's like, here is a blueprint for a warp drive. That's that's it. I don't speak your language. I'm just, I have flashing blue lights. That's what I have. Wow. And I, I, I loved, I, I found, you know... A big thing for me in any game is, does it feel good to move? Mm-hmm. Like, number one. Mm-hmm. Like, if it doesn't feel good to move, I'm out. Uh, if it feels good, then I'll listen to whatever you have to say. It's like Winston Zedmore in Ghostbusters. There's steady paycheck involved. So, while I was doing all that, and I, I enjoyed all of that, I was starting to have that moment that a lot of people who say they hate the Metal Gear games say this about that series which is they feel perpetually like they're doing something wrong. Mm, like, even mm-hmm. even when you're succeeding in the game, like, I've prepared my ship. I flew to another planet. The entire time, I couldn't shake the niggling feeling that I was doing it incorrectly. And I'm wondering if, like, that... Dave, is that... You've had a lot of problems getting into no man's sky is that that's, sort okay, of so where you that's are that's not entirely true i like for the first the first day of this game i play like i got it i i booted it up um around like six in the evening or so and i played it till two in the morning i was like i was enraptured by this game i was just like oh my god like look look there's this thing over here and oh what's that and like th- like there are lots of really cool surprises and stuff that you'll find as you play and you explore and it's just like just th- the act of like being in this space and i was like you know what this is cool this is a super chill just space exploration game but the more i engage with it and the more that i started to explore by the second day i had gone to a bunch uh a ton more planets I started to notice that there's a pattern that there is like oh so every planet has these specific elements because they have to because right. they don't want you to be stuck on any planet any one planet 
um, every planet ha like they say oh look this game has more species than the planet earth but each planet only has like seven species of animals and they're all kind of vaguely the same color and shape true um, then then you're like okay so then every planet has monoliths every planet has outposts there's no one in the outpost every planet has trading posts every planet has like th there are specific things that every planet has and then I started running up, like, okay, so I went to an abandoned outpost, and there's a thing, like, you go in, and it's like, you activate the computer, and the computer's like, hey, if you solve this, it's a really simple, like, pattern of numbers. Like, if you can figure out what the next number in the sequence is, you unlock this thing, and you can, like, and we'll reveal another spot on the map that you can go. I did that on three separate planets, at three separate abandoned outposts, solved the exact same pattern. The exact same like number pattern and it took me to the exact same kind of location which was a derelict ship that had crashed that i could repair if i wanted to every time then i started to notice that all of the space stations look like internally there's a little bit of difference but on the right you always have your spot where you can go and trade and on your left you there's always a locked door that once you open it there's always an item upgrade like a like a inventory upgrade the inventory is like consistently becomes a giant pain in the butt because at, at first you don't have enough spots to hold like basically anything and important items take up one entire thing in your inventory upgrades to your to your equipment he's, he's saying they don't slot. they don't stack yeah yeah <clears throat> excuse me yeah like certain important items don't stack um it used to, apparently, like, before the patch, you can only store 100 of a given element in a slot instead Ooh. of 250. Oh, yeah. God. Ooh. Yeah. That would make it impossible. Yes. So, okay, so yes, okay, they, uh, I, okay, I need to interject a few things here. Okay, okay. go ahead. First, and I do not know this to be true, but it is possible, because we're all in the Euclid galaxy right now. Like, you start the right. game in the Euclid galaxy. It is possible... That it, when you get to a different galaxy, that things start to look a little more different. It would make a certain amount of sense for stuff in the same galaxy to look similar, but that doesn't change the fact you're completely right. The landscape is all kind of same-ish, and uh, it, the, the flower, there's yellow flower that you harvest zinc from. It mm -hmm. looks exactly the same on every single planet. Now, mm -hmm. that's a good thing because you need to be able to find it. But it's repetitive and boring to look at. So you're, com you're absolutely right. As for the, the code that you're talking about, there are several different kinds of codes to break. Oh, yeah, there, there are. Yeah. And I've seen a couple. But, like, the fact that I got RNG, it's not RNG, it's procedurally generated. Like, those planets will always be the same. But the fact that I hit the same exact thing three times yeah oh sure yeah absolutely, absolutely. like i but i went to one of the, those and it i got the formula for making suspension fluid which is mm -hmm. one of the things you need to make a uh, warp core so that you can fuel your ship right again so like you're not wrong all of those things absolutely happen you will you'll get sent to a derelict ship and an abandoned outpost or an outpost that isn't abandoned it has a little green alien in it at which mm -hmm. point you know, if you give him some carbon, he will offer you to either heal you or fix your ship or your shields. Yes, you're absolutely right. All that and stuff then, will happen over and over and over yeah, again. You'll have to refill your shields. 
uh, because every like almost every planet has some kind of elemental damage that that's done to you. Yep. So you have to refill that by going into your menu, and it's kind of a cumbersome process. Oh, that's every, not true. I mean, it, it, just that, over no stop. Over time. Stop. No. Um, no. Every time you take off, you use fuel, so you'll have to constantly be looking for fuel. Like the, the well, thing okay, that I but, found. Okay, but while I while I appreciate that when you combine that with an inventory, that's kind of annoying. Oh, your ship is supposed to use fuel when you take off. Well, I know. You're escaping its gravity. <laughs> um, it's every time that like I engage with the game part of the game. I just find like I just find myself really frustrated with it. Like, why is sprinting on R three? Okay, wait. I, I've heard a lot of people saying that. Like, why does that bother you? Yeah, because it, I, it's because just a it's, toggle. It's, it's instinctively, it's instinctively L three. Every game has been L three. Oh, I see. Okay. And then, okay. So and then okay. I, you know, I hit L three and it sends the sonar out, and the sonar takes time to charge. And then, okay, it's just, oh my it's, it's, God, it's just, dude, the sonar takes about a second to charge. Like, <laughs> so let me let me let me ask this question. Yeah. <clears throat> Do we think that No Man's Sky would have benefited from never getting on the hype train? Yes. Yes. Would it definitively? I don't. Yeah, would absolutely. It, I don't think so. Because nobody. Why don't you I, think I, so, Susan? Nobody would care. Well, yeah, it's because it's it is a it is a survival game with space exploration elements. That is what I, No Man's Sky is. It's, I wouldn't like, even I wouldn't even say it has enough going on to be called a survival game, honestly. Yeah, there's see, not enough to it. For I, I I could see, and again, like I have not played nearly as much as you guys, mm-hmm. but I could see a scenario where, let's say Alexander, like you, you like you hypothesized here, like let's say. No Man's Sky doesn't have this this big unveiling moment during Sony's E3 press conference a few years ago, and instead is just quietly announced, and, you know, maybe there's a Kickstarter and a few people are, you know, into the idea of space exploration. When this game came out, and let's also assume that it, ha- it, it comes out with the same level of quality, that Sony saw some potential here, and even though it wasn't crazy anticipated by fans that all of the resources that were poured into this game were poured into it. I could see a scenario like Don't Starve, where people start playing it and get totally sucked into this very sort of mundane process. Because, you know, Susan, like you said... like Or Minecraft. Or Minecraft, exactly. Let's remember the beginning of Minecraft, not... Minecraft in 2010. In 2010, when people were like, what is this? Oh, I just lost two days of my life playing this. Minecraft, I heard about over brunch with friends, like you said, like, you know, five or six years ago, whatever it is now. And it was this thing that sort of built. No Man's Sky hits E3 2014, and the audience every, everything that happens after that is like oh this is a this is a sony like this is a first party sony title and it's you know it's it's the next uncharted it's it gets all of this massive support mm-hmm. and at the end of the day it's still an indie game right like, mm-hmm. right it is it is definitely I, I, you know looking at it and playing it it is a meditative experience. It is, it is an exploration. 
it is methodical it certainly does not have those things that any AAA title that is going through uh, market testing and focus mm-hmm. groups uh, would be getting pinged up. and even the game that was released certainly did not ha- like did not go through the AAA gauntlet that we would see from any AAA developer so I am I am cu- I am curious I am curious to somehow be able to travel to the world where No Man's Sky does come out like Don't Starve mm, where yeah. it's this thing that everyone is talking you know or even Minecraft everyone's talking about it but they're talking about it because it's have you heard about this thing it's yeah. it's my it's this thing I, I I totally get where you're coming from but I think there's one really key difference is that it wouldn't be Don't Starve. It would be slightly better Proteus. Because Don't Starve, when Don't Starve came out, that was a full, robust game. No Man's Sky has... It has more it, there's, it has more going on. There's more to do. There's, there's more to do. A lot. Because yeah. all, you, all you do in Proteus is walk around. Well, yes. Okay. Well, Literally, yeah, yeah. Oh, like you, you walk yes, around until yes. you dissolve. Yeah, oh, of course. There's it. more to do than in Proteus, for sure. Right. But there certainly isn't as much going on as in Don't Starve. No, I, no, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. You can't build a base. You can't, like... Right. I just... I, I don't know. I feel like... Every time I go to a planet, I am like a tiny dead space planet cracker. Just... Sucking up all of its resources and then jetting off to the next one. Like, no one planet feels particularly unique because there's always another one to explore. You're entirely correct. If that makes sense. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, like, I, I don't know. Like, my thing is, is like, so I, I also reviewed Abzu. And Abzu is the chillest game. It's just, you just swim around and there's there's fish and you can hang out with the fish and you just kind of do whatever you can there's there are meditation stuff there are literal statues called meditation statues that you can sit and just watch the fish move and there's a little plot there's a little danger but you know ne- you're never like at a point where you actually like will die and like that is to me is like kind of the perfect sort of zen game where you're just like you're in it and you're just kind of enjoying the experience and then like no man's sky where it's like okay so I have to upgrade my warp drive if I want to warp faster uh, or over longer distances, but I need, like, 400 iridium, and I can't find iridium. I've spent two hours looking for iridium. Where is the goddamn iridium? Every planet doesn't have iridium. I can't find it. This is making me angry. I just I don't want to play it anymore. This is not chill. Every time I try to mine resources, those little sentinels come up and start harassing you. Like, that's, so here's, I don't know. It's that, just... I, I think everything you said is true. Right. But I think a lot of what is what is causing this tension with with players is we're very, very used to being in this environment and the environment having been crafted specifically to give us a certain kind of experience. Right. Like Mm -hmm. the first time I walked into you will find abandoned uh, outposts that have this stuff growing all over them and the first Mm -hmm. time you interact with one of them it's like oh my god what is this and is it getting in my suit and right and in a in a different game in a bioware game or a bethesda game that would lead you to 
a diary or an item or a piece of loot or a something. Like it would have been crafted to give you a specific experience and then you get the reward, right? Of whatever that experience is. But this building was put in no man's sky by math. And so we're, we're going through, you really kind of need to retrain your, uh, your brain and, and to undo all of your expectations of, and now I've, oh, I've found the trade post, so this will happen. Well, no, yeah. it's just it's just a trade post, and maybe you'll bump into somebody. It's a lot more like actual life uh, than this wonderfully crafted experience that we're used to in, in games no. and, and RPGs yeah. and space exploration. I just, I, I get that, and like, you, you'll find no proponent for like the quote-unquote unfun game like you know just the, the the games that simulate like actually living a life and like doing life things and like reveling in sort of the mundanity of of life and routine and that sort of thing like you'll find no bigger proponent for that sort of thing than me i'm just struggling to find a point and that's Dave, that is let me... totally fair that is 100 percent a valid reaction to that game and if there's it, it like is you know, you, you say, like, you, you, you're you a big fan of the game where it's just, like, life. Like, it, it maybe, like, is it okay for No Man's Sky? Like, are you at a place where you could say, like, this is still a good game if there is no point? I, it's just, like, I don't know. To me, everything just feels like kind of, like, shooting is kind of clumsy. Especially, like, when you're under attack. Space combat is really clumsy, um, and like but space expo- space exploration is clumsy. Stop you know? it! Stop it, Anthony. No, you're doing <laughs> you're doing the thing right now where the person turns around and and someone criticizes Lair, and then you turn around and say, "Well, if you actually flew a dragon, <laughs> hey, look, dragon so, Alexander, so you easily. don't know no, what no, no, Julian no, Egebrecht no. was trying to do with the six axis was visionary. What what and... he, what he is expressing about the combat system is wholly accurate. Oh, so, so I was asking a question. I wasn't making an evaluative statement. I was asking a question. Because I, just, I, the, I... The thing is, it's, it's that your enemies are always, like... Like, you fly around very clumsily, but your enemies have this, like, preternatural instinct to, like, find you and hunt you down with, like, super accuracy. Hmm. Like, that's the problem. It's that your enemies are... Wait- like, if everyone was clumsy and flying around like a tin can in space, you know maybe there's something to that, but that's not how it is. It's like everyone else is playing Wing Commander and you're playing Kerbal Space Program. <laughs> Good one. That was solid. I got, I got a, a distress signal last night, and because I had been blown up by Space Pirates the day before, I was like, I got you! I'm coming to help you! And so I, <laughs> I zoomed my way over there. I could not get that person in my sights to figure out I, c- I couldn't find the pirates. I couldn't get to them. Mm-hmm. They just kept zing, 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 like zinging by me. I'm like, okay, you know what? Sorry, you're on your own. I got... You're on your later. I got plutonium. I got to find. I'm, you know, peace. Good luck to you. Wishing it's you just, well. And now like, we know Susan's role in The Expanse. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... it. It's weird. Like, it's positioned on this weird mix between the sort of like crafting game that it is and this like space exploration like trading space combat thing that it also like wants to be but like i don't know i feel like it's not 
a really good version of either of those. You're right. Like, there's no real sense of economy. Yeah. Nope. Things are just different prices because you're in a different system. Well, plus, what, I mean, if you could buy... I, okay, yes, you can buy ships. Yeah. But that's it. So yeah. if you're yeah. happy with your ship... You don't really. We, yeah. You can buy stuff. You, you I, the the place where I met Daft Punk guy, I could buy materials. Oh, well, sure. Yeah, you can buy materials, but it's which is you know fuel or the, you're building. And I could buy. For. There was there was a gun on the yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah like, an upgraded like, multi tool. I could buy a gun. Yes. I know. But none of the guns like can, like none of the guns are really different. Um, I mean, like you can get different upgrades that change the the fire rate and stuff, but like. There's nothing that makes any of the guns feel really unique other than how they look or how many inventory slots they have. Right, exactly. It's the same with, with with the ships, like the ships look different, but the only difference is that they have more inventory space because you can right. you can graft whatever engines or warp drives or whatever you want on it to customize it how you want. And like none of the upgrades, like it's base, it's just like you look at a thing in an, in a menu screen, and that's all that really tells you like what you're doing. And all the upgrades, like look the same i don't know it's just there's for nothing a game that's all about there's nothing to work towards right? right like if you could uh have your own shop in one of the uh uh space stations or or an outpost or you know something like that there's there doesn't feel like there's any aspiration to it hmm. which on the one so hand ask- is is good because it's whatever you want it to be but on the other hand it's okay I, why, 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 why? Why am I doing this? Right, why am I right. upgrading my ship just to be able to store more parts to upgrade my ship? Exactly, again? exactly. Dave, it, it is it is cookie clicker. But would space. you? Well, well, that's why that's why I want to like ask. Do you think? Okay, so we have no idea what Hello Games is going right, to do next. Right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> you know, we 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 know the size of that team. Uh, we know that they've they've launched this thing. Uh, who knows if they want to return back to this world? Who knows? My question here is, do you think that, given the era that we're in right now, that this is a Minecraft situation where No Man's Sky will continue to benefit from updates? Or is this an Assassin's Creed uh, Witcher situation where, okay, No Man's Sky is done, now it's time for No Man's Sky 2. Well, and th- that the latter. Yeah, yeah, like they, they've talked about wanting to update it, and they, they've said like they want to update it as long as they're able to continue to do so. And like one of the first updates they mentioned in their big like patch, like this is why you shouldn't have played the game early because this this patch like fixes so much. Mm. Um, and they're like, yeah, next we're gonna add freighter ship, like the ability to buy and fly freighter ships, right. and the ability to build bases. There's then, also the the quote from this from I think it was either yesterday or the day before, where Sean Murray from Hello Games is talking about the the PS4 Neo, and and saying like oh well you know we have nothing specific to talk about now but Neo would fundamentally change what we could do in the game, you know if we have procedurally generated stuff if we're all of a sudden dealing with way more advanced architecture, Man, the game would play completely different. He, so. he was talking about multiplayer from the very beginning. I don't trust a word that comes out of that man's mouth at this point. <laughs> he still won't give a clear answer. Okay, but I, I just need to make one complaint about this game. It's the one thing that really bothers me about it. 
you can't just in, in okay so in your in your menu screen you have a list of everywhere you've been every system you've been in and every planet in that system you can't just click one and say go there yeah, and your right. ship yeah that's a problem that's and that's the- that's bs that does that doesn't even make sense within the the rules of the universe and that yeah. and that's the thing that I was talking about, where it was like like it goes back to the thing where it's like there's, because there's always another planet on the horizon, no one planet feels important. So it's like yeah, you can name right. everything on a planet. You can name the planet. You can name the outpost on that planet. But there's no because there's no easy way to then get back to that planet when you want. Be like this is my home base. Exactly. This yeah. Is, I have named this planet Outer Heaven because I'm a Metal Gear weirdo. And this is where I'm gonna diamond dogs. This is where we're gonna. This is where we're. But I can't get back there. Yeah. So it's like, I just stopped naming stuff because it doesn't matter. Yep. I I only There's name no... uh, planets so that I know I've been there. Because hmm. otherwise I can't recognize. They... It's like naming they... your XCOM soldiers. You just eventually start just calling them flesh. <laughs> yeah, because they die. <laughs> Waiting for them to go. Dave, would all of these, you know, sort of the the the, the repetition and the mundanity of what you actually do in No Man's Sky, would that be better for you if Werner Herzog was narrating the entire experience? 100%, because then it would be leaning into the, like, existential, nihilistic dread... Nightmare. ...that this game is supposedly, like, about. Yeah. I don't know. Another planet staring into the abyss, wandering, looking at squishy-nosed animals after squishy-nosed animals, questing <laughs> when, for more plutonium, when two, wondering what the point is. When two Nomad Sky players meet. <laughs> is there murder? Is there murder? Is there murder? Is there madness? Is there violence? Is there violence? <laughs> oh, man. Our place is here on Earth, he's not the gift, in the inky abyss. He's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> uh, so... A, a, in in a, a dramatic shift of expectations. Alexander, you mentioned Lair and, you know, people doing backflips to say that something is good when it is objectively terrible. Mm-hmm. And in the world of Final Fantasy films, Spirits Within and Advent Children, <laughs> no matter how much you enjoy them, these are not good no. films. That, that line from <laughs> Life is Strange where she's like... Like, literally no one would say, like, oh, Final Fantasy Spirits within isn't as bad as everyone says it, and no one would actually say that. Okay, well, Unless they I, 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 I would. Susan would. Hold, hold Susan on. Would. Spirit, hold on. Spirits within is not terrible. No, it's not. No, it's like, not. Ad- it's Advent not Children good. is terrible. Let's, let's, let's talk, like, look, in the pantheon of Donald Sutherland films, <laughs> Spirits Within is below... Invasion of the Body Snatchers and above Catching Fire Part One. All right, that's 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 where we're sitting with yes. Donald Other Don, Donald, Donald Otherland. Otherland. Donald no Donald Otherland is the guy who plays D Day in Animal House. That's Donald Otherland <laughs> hangs out with Norman Sky and they go on adventures. <laughs> Norman <laughs> Sky. Yes. But but so, so the, but. Let's talk about the thing that we're going to talk about because it's actually really good. Yeah, let's let's talk it's let's so talk good. about it's so good. let's talk about the unlikeliest thing in the entire world, <laughs> which is the fact that Kingsglaive Final Fantasy fifteen, uh, Kingsglaive is one word. It's not a monarch and then the thing from Krull. It is Kingsglaive <laughs> Final Fantasy fifteen, 
is a movie that is going to be in theaters this week while you're listening to this and out digitally this week and out on Blu-ray at the end of the month. Uh, it is awesome. It's really it's good. It is it's it, really it, good. Stop it. No, I swear to God. No. Okay, look. I, I am not a Final Fantasy fan. I did enjoy uh, 13-2 and Lightning Returns. I think Lightning Returns is awesome. But by and large, I think Final Fantasy is ridiculous and overwrought and overwritten and is just, oh, dear God, like eye rolls for days. And that's what I was yep. expecting from this movie. Oh, yeah. It's really Re- good. Reasonably yes, expecting message, like, is the city called Insomnia? What is Insomnia? Is the city called Insomnia? Yes, the city's called... <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it, it's still got some of that. The only legitimacy here is that Susan is saying it's good. Because <laughs> Anthony and I have a long history. I have the best taste no, in the Anthony. world. No, you, <laughs> Anthony legitimately has the it's worst true. taste. It's true. I have the best taste of anyone. The worst taste ever. of any of any person I have ever met who isn't objectively trying to troll at that moment like he he believes he has taste he does not i do the only thing that is saving saving my eyes from exploring the back of my head right now is that susan is turning around saying no 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 you don't understand anthony's anthony and i can't believe i'm saying this anthony is right yeah like, Number one, I'm a refined gentleman. Oh, God, stop it. Stop it, Mr. Maroon Valor. Just stop it. Damn it. But, okay, so it has the stupid uh, trappings of Final Fantasy, like stupid names. Like, yes, the city. Really stupid. The yeah, city stupid is called names. Insomnia. And it's not like a clever thing, like, we can never rest because we must remain vigilant. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's called, just called that. Called that. It's, it's just called Insomnia. It's like everybody's name is utterly ridiculous. Some of the costumes, there's this one guy, the chancellor comes in. His sleeve is like five feet long. <laughs> and it's this like... <laughs> you mean cowboy worm tongue? Yes, cowboy worm He's <laughs> cowboy worm tongue. <laughs> it's true. But like you have, you have King Regis in like full sort of Victorian era regalia. And then a dude comes in wearing a three-piece suit. Yeah, it's awesome. Holding a cell phone. It's so awesome. And Regis has a silver stick sticking out of the side of his head. I'm not sure why. Right. But it, he just does because, because Final Fantasy. But then, in, in something that I think is actually cool, his King's Glaive, which is like his special guard, the side of their helmets has a stylized very similar sort of sticks sticking out of the side of yeah. their helmets yeah. as, as homage to him. Now, see, that kind of detail is really, really cool. But... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's got the Final <laughs> Fantasy aesthetics and the stupid names, and that's fine. But the plot is coherent. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the big thing. That's... <laughs> Th- this is this is it the actually, big thing. It works like a story. It does. Like, yes. like if you were just to put someone down in front of it and just say, "Watch this movie," yeah. they wouldn't go, "What the fuck did I just see over two hours?" Right. There's a little bit of confusion. Like, like they have to fit in a lot of lore in a two-hour space. But, so but it's all it's of... all coherently explained right at the beginning. It is. It's coher- and and not just like there is. I, I the moment I started it, I was like groaning, yeah. like, "Oh no," because. They start with, like, narration, like, thousands of years ago, on the weirdo planet, like, yeah, on the planet Captain EO, 
we see <laughs> warring nations and you're like, oh God, shut up, shut up. But all of that weird, like, bad exposition is done within about 60 seconds and goes in to an action scene that tells you everything about the way the world works. Visually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it all boils down to, like, although they, you are absolutely right, the opening scene is a bunch of narration done by Lena Headey wonderfully, by the way. <laughs> right, yeah, uh, who, really good. If, if that name sounds familiar, familiar, that's Cersei from Game of Thrones. Uh, but it all... Emmy-nominated. Emmy-nominated. Cersei. Cersei from Game right. of Thrones. It all boils down to, there's two countries at war, one country's kicking the other one's ass. Mm-hmm. Real bad. Real bad. And, uh, hi, it's today. That's yeah. it. <laughs> and, 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 and the big bad guys, the big bad guys have big guns. Yeah. And the good guys have magic. Right. Yeah, there Like, you go. that's all you that's need it. to know. Done. Ready. Done. Go. That's it. And, and that's, it's very simple. Everybody's motivations in the movie make complete sense. Each mm-hmm. character is distinct. You can tell them apart. They don't fall into tropes. No. And they're likable and relatable. Yes! Like yeah. that's that's the part that like amazes me and like really surprises me about this and makes me really excited about the actual game is that in all of this fantasy not like the the main character's name is Nick, the place is called like just like stupid names. Stupid names oh, everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Nix. It took me like I, half I, the movie to be like, are they calling him Nix? His name like, is plural. Wait, wait. It's Nix Ulrich. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. The king's and, like, name. Who is Aaron wait, wait, Paul? Wait, wait. The who king's is Aaron wait, wait. Paul? Regis. <laughs> okay, so let me let me take a moment here uh, to to point out that when when Anthony told me that this would be discussed on this episode, he said, "quote." Aaron Paul is the main character, and he's hot as hell. Oh my god, he is mm-hmm. true. Yep. 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 Accurate. Yep. But, okay. Yep. Even, even when you can't stop hearing him as Todd from BoJack Horseman. Everyone in this, everyone in this movie is hot as hell, though. It's true. Like, yeah. I mean, that's everyone. kind of like a Final Fantasy thing. But, yeah, like, Aaron Paul. It, it, uh. So, at the, end of the, at the end of the movie, it lists the credits for everybody. So, there's the voice credit. And typically there is then the motion capture credit. And then there is the, for want of a better word, the face credit. It's, it's whoever they actually physically modeled the character after. And Nix is a French model. And yeah. he is very good at his job. He is, yeah, he's, he's paid, he's, com- he's compensated appropriately. Yes. Let's put it that yes. way. Yeah, and, and like the funny thing is, is we, we talked about how there are all the trappings of Final Fantasy, but they never feel ostentatious. This movie actually takes all the things that Final Fantasy has always done well, like from the very beginning in you know on the NES, which is blending the the real world of things that are tangible that you need to worry about, like political conflict, mm-hmm. with things that are absurd. And there's a moment where and this is this isn't to like spoil anything but there is there is a moment where Nix and the other members of the Kingsglaive are trying to get onto an airship oh it's so cool that is going towards the city yep. and it is so cool and not only like so there there is this ability that the char- main character in Final Fantasy 15 and the Kingsglaive have 
which is they can throw their sword at something and immediately warp to it's it. so cool. Which, which equates to some of the weirdest, coolest action choreography I've seen in a movie. Like, just, like, really... And, like, it's not just, like, oh, look at their magic jumpy powers. It's, like, they, they have to do it with skill. And, like, they, they almost die a few times because of the stuff they try to pull off. It's awesome. But the airship itself looks like a functional, real thing. Like, they go inside, and suddenly they're real people on what looks like a real vehicle doing real things. Like, they have to worry about each other. They need to check in and see if everybody's safe. And then an octopus arm the size of a building tears the ship in half, and suddenly they're fighting this monster. And it, it's there on purpose, because this evil empire uses biological weapons. Yep one of which has been laid as a trap. And suddenly you have, like, this perfect mix of technology and magic and art and music, and there is what equates to a boss mm -hmm. fight in the middle of a movie, but that is narratively sound. Yep. Like, it all makes it sense. It really does. I, I, can't, I can't believe it exists. I can't... It's incredible. I, like, like, I was... I, I was talking to my wife. I'm like, like, like this movie's amazing. Like, I'm so excited for Final Fantasy 15. She's like, well, that's the movie's job. And I'm like, no, but like, this is good as a movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You couldn't. It, you you don't have to know a single thing about Final Fantasy. You don't have to care about a single thing about Final Fantasy to enjoy this game or enjoy this movie because it's completely self-contained. You understand mm -hmm. the backstory. You understand the motivations. You understand the characters. There's none of that. Like. There's none of the Final Fantasy mythology kind of like the Lucy and the Falsy. Oh like, on, okay, there's a magic crystal. In fairness, Susan, only, only Final Fantasy thirteen does that I, nonsense. I, the other games don't do that. Oh, no, they just have, like, you know, bringing down planets and stuff. And no, don't worry about it. It's right. fine. And that's rad. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, oh, it's, it's fighting God. Whatever. It's fine. Don't worry about it. This is, okay. These guys have technology. These guys have magic. It's powered by a crystal. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. It's not about the crystal yeah. came from here and it's called it. Nope, don't worry about it. Crystal makes magic. That's it. It's fine. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like somebody at, like, Hajime Tabata, who is the guy who's directing Final Fantasy XV and was the producer on this and has sort of been tasked with, like, rescuing this series. It's like he came in and he was like, guys, what if we actually did two drafts of something before making it. <laughs> what if we and everybody's like, whoa, 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 what? What are you talking about oh. two drafts? Like, what if we, what if we came up with everything? That actually exists. Oh, and right. with weapons that look like people could actually walk around with them. Right, right. And, and, and like, even... And, like, the thing is, is that the action does, by the end of this movie go to the final fantasy place it, does, but it gets it it gets as big as advent children but it's not like what is happening no, it, totally like, makes it sense. all totally makes yeah. sense like it all happens logically like the fact that kingsglaive makes something as bizarre as a summoned monster makes sense in a narrative way mm -hmm. and still feel human and relatable mm -hmm. is bananas it's bananas I'm going, I'm going to watch this it, thing it's great, and so, and I will probably because I believe all of you, mm -hmm. and I trust you, I trust you, probably walk out of it 
going, wow, that was that was Good. totally what they said. But until that moment, <laughs> until I'm on the other side it's okay. of this film, it's okay. you all sound ridiculous. I, it's I probably, know. It's probably I the, best, the best summer blockbuster of the year. Yep. He's not even kidding. Like, yeah. it's not, there nope, was, he's not. Uh, okay, again, I stepped in. I started begrudgingly watching this because I knew we were going to talk about it on the podcast. About halfway through the movie, there's a moment... I lit- I'm sitting at my desk. I go, oh, snap! Yes! <laughs> yes! And, I was pumping my fist, and, uh, like, the entire time I was watching this movie. Well, and, uh, is, it, is, it like, is it like that one, is it like with the 100, where, like, you're watching the pilot, yes. and you're just going, like, this is, yes. oh, oh, this yes. is some CW nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're, like, by the end of the pilot, you're kind of like, okay, I'll give it one more episode. Uh-huh. And then that scene happens. Yes. In like the second episode, and you're like, "What? What show am I watching? Yes. What is going on?" Yes, it is yeah. like that. Alexander, I, I in the uh, review that we have on Games Radar that is up today when you're listening to this, I actually likened it to, and like obviously it's totally different, but like Dread and yep. Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, yeah, uh, Dread, Edge Lit- of Tomorrow, The One Hundred, yeah. Starship Troopers. Yes, 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 uh, yes. It is on. It is on that level. It yeah. is. It is executed. Where because it says, no matter no matter how many times people tell you watch Dread, Dread's really good. You should really watch Dread. It's a, it's actually an incredibly well crafted movie. And no matter how many times it. someone says it, you don't believe them. And then right, you see and it, it, and you're like, like, holy crap! Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I and. I, uh, when I tell you that when the main character Nyx is literally five times hotter than Carl Urban in Dread, oh my, know that I'm oh serious. Oh my god. He's so <laughs> hot. It's ridiculous. Okay, first of all, the, all of the, the imagery is fantastic. There are a few times when it's, yeah. cl- it's clear that the movement is a little artificial, but they have done a really amazing job of yeah. making the motion capture look and feel natural with one exception, and it oh, bugs what? me. The men are all basically one to one copies of their body doubles. They might have they mm-hmm. might have changed their hair or gave, given them a scar or maybe some facial hair or something like that. But but for the most part, one to one. The women they change their faces to make them more delicate, and it pisses me oh, off. Oh, that's lame. See, cause Crow, Crow, the the woman who is in the King's mm-hmm. Glaive. I like I like the moment you see her for the first time. I was like, "That is badass. Mm-hmm. She is a badass." And then the the princess who shows up later, who basically looks like if uh, a a cloning company in 2035 was like, "Hey, what if we tried to make a a younger version of Uma Thurman in The Truth About Cats and Dogs?" Okay, but and but that's in their defense, that's exactly what the actress looks like. Except, uh, uh, yeah. Except, yeah, and you can tell they Final Fantasy. They do, they do. Her hair is amazing, like her hair looks actually like a real woman, but they 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 thinned out her chin and her cheeks to make her look younger and more feminine, I guess. Yeah, that that sounds that sounds like a very like Japanese cultural thing. This is a consistent issue, so this is my my sort of like favorite little anecdote. Mm. So so allow allow me this moment. Dead Rising, Frank West. Uh, so one of my sort of favorite interviews was uh, with Keiji Inafune, uh, and we were talking about how, like, I mentioned how attractive uh, uh, Frank West is. And 
he sort of laughed and we then delved into it and the point was that frank west was not supposed to be a good-looking guy he was supposed to be an unattractive person but what inafune ended up finding out when dead rising was out in the west is that oh wait the the elements that make up frank west that sort of bigger body type uh the body hair uh, the just the, the the structure of his face were deemed attractive. So if you look at the interpretations of Frank West for several years after that in uh, Capcom versus Tatsunoko, I think it is, mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. a couple other things, Frank West is uggified. Like yeah. he's, oh, interesting. His his, yeah. his ugg is actually like brought up so you know so he ends up having uh, a receding hairline uh in future things but not like an attractive receding hairline right. but like right. a really right. awkward receding hairline and they just do other elements to him to make him not look good which is funny because now you look at uh dead rising is it called dead rising 4 or is it just called dead rising again no it's it's dead rising 4 you the, look at the dead new rising, xbox one yeah. right you look at dead rising 4 and he's back to yeah. being attractive mm-hmm. and looking like you know just a real like a well-built man uh and and yeah so you know what what susan is mentioning there uh is is very much like that the the over the over prettiness of of boys um so that they aren't actually men uh, is something that comes up, but then you have this amazing example of someone like Frank West who was designed to be ugly, but apparently that was never run by any focus groups in the West. <laughs> and then when Dead Rising comes along, it's like, no, Frank West is a pretty hot dude. And it just it caught them off guard. That's really funny. It, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, so, it's so interesting to see sort of the, the Final Fantasy pivot to where you know uh, with final fantasy 13 which you know uh, love it or hate it is really kind of the source of the damage that has been done to the series over the past say seven or eight years at this point but their big thing was like we're going to create like a virtual model and she's going to be the face of everything and like lightning was positioned oh, yeah. as this sort of fantasy version of a physical ideal uh, right from the beginning, you know, like there was even before like it, Final Fantasy 13 was a real game and it was just a concept trailer that Sony sweared to God was a real thing at E3 2006. You know, they were like, here is the clothing that she is wearing. Yeah, she markets here Louis Vuitton. She And you know, it was recently as last year, she markets Louis Vuitton. And 10 years ago, when Final Fantasy 15 was still called Final Fantasy Versus, 13 that was going to be true of these characters as well and for a long time the only you know proof that this game was still being made was a fashion company uh in japan was credited as designing everyone's outfit in final fantasy what is now called final fantasy 15 and if you go back and look at all the characters then they were way more artificial and and uh anime mm-hmm. and like, like Alexander's describing, like, way more prettied up. You know, the uh, the princess that appears in Kingsglaive was a different character, but similar, uh, you know, character type back then. And she sort of looks like your classic anime 
waif. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, like, besides the fact that they, they have altered her, she does still look like a real she person. She does. Uh, the clothes look real. The The body looks real. Petite, certainly, yeah. but sure. but not unrealistically so. That's mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. that's why the, the, the changes to the face were so disappointing to me because everything else looks like I mean it's gonna be the easiest damn thing to cosplay this movie. Ever because yeah. everybody in it. Yeah, too. like it all looks like an actual piece of clothing that either zips or buttons or buckles. It goes on your body and fits like clothes actually do. None of it def- Let's be clear. It's Final Fantasy. Everything buckles. Okay, that, okay. Everything that's buckles. That's a good point. But like, not, almost none of it defies gravity with the exception of Cowboy Wormtongue. Yeah, Cowboy Wormtongue. His outfit is a, is a little wackadoo. Yeah, is that a sleeve or is it a Dude, wing? I don't like, even what is know. going is it a on? Shield? Is it a carapace from something? I don't know. I don't. It's and the funny, it's the, Final Fantasy. It's Final Fantasy. It's Final Fantasy. Fantasy. The, the the funny thing is, is as like redonkulous as his outfit is, he is a cool character. Yes. Like as soon as he starts talking, you're like, oh wait, this guy is creepy as hell. I love what's happening here. Uh, yeah. If if you are listening to this. Uh, on on Monday, August fifteenth, Final Fantasy fifteen, Kingsglaive. Actually, reverse those two titles. It's Kingsglaive Final Fantasy fifteen. Yeah, uh, is out to watch digitally on August thirtieth. It will be in the theaters this week. In the th- yeah, in the theaters on the nineteenth. On the nineteenth, it'll be on Blu-ray the week after the game comes out. Yeah, I, and man, I, 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 again, I say this like I haven't seen every movie that came out this summer, but I, I enjoyed. Civ- I've, yeah, I, I enjoyed Civil War. I thought it was good. Uh, I saw Ghostbusters and Independence Day, and I literally had to throw out my shirt because of the vomit <laughs> that was all over them after those two films. They're awful, gaudy nonsense, and. The only, the only two action movies, the only two blockbusters I have seen in 2016 that I can say you should go see unequivocally are Kingsglaive and Star Trek Beyond. And King, and honestly, like, I, like Kingsglaive is... I'm not going to say it's better. It, so does, it's does equal. The, does this movie introduce the four characters? No, it does no. not. No. No. Uh, no. Yeah. This is... So, no. so, yeah. Okay, so if Final Fantasy XV is about Nox, Noctis going somewhere to it's a it's a it's a boy's road trip it's yeah they are on their way to meet the girl from kingsclave yeah who is britney spears from crossroads who is who is madonna from swept away oh my god okay um but like so yeah as i was watching this uh to, to your point about it being the best movie like if final fantasy 13 was the phantom menace oh oh I mean, it's not that bad, no, but the, like that kind wrong. of feel where it's like, you, like, like a lot of people are saying like, oh no, like what's going on with Final Fantasy, yeah. and then they make three of them, yeah. and it, like each one just kind of, this is the Force Awakens. Yeah, you're not wrong. This yeah. is this is them going like, like, like it's not perfect. It has things, but there's a heart to it, and it's like, Final Fantasy is exciting again. The humanity yeah. is back. The yeah. the focus on like really interesting characters is back. Like no one's no one's like po faced and unlikable like freaking lightning like I like lightning but she's like so like I have to do my duty yeah. and like freaking hope is just like I, uh, my mom's dead 
And then, like, like Snow just has a face that you want to punch. Sarah needs to be time. shot into the sun. You're, yeah. yeah. And, but, Sarah is the Jar Jar Binks of is, Final Fantasy. Yes, that is that correct. Is, that is correct. But that's the thing about Final Fantasy thirteen is that it was it was everyone was too pretty. It goes back to that too pretty yeah, thing. Yeah. Too pretty. Like they too were ju- there was nothing there was no humanity there whatsoever. Like if you go back to Final Fantasy ten, right? Like, yeah, Yuna and Titus are sort of the, the classic folks, but uh, it's arguable that the other people around them like have di- are different types and are, yeah. are are interesting. Whereas Final Fantasy thirteen, that was that was See, definitely the cliche show. A- Alexander, that's why Lightning Returns is so awesome so because yeah. that becomes like part of the story. That they're sort of like it, it, they've been alive forever and realizing that they're like sort of soulless husks who are pretty with nothing inside. <laughs> Dave, this is a, this is a true oh, wow. story. Dave. Dave, this is true. Alexander told me that if my saying Lightning Returns was the best game of 2014 and it unseated Dragon Age Inquisition from being on a top 10 list, that he would come to my home and murder me. <laughs> <laughs> let me, but let me, is, okay, I want to say. But Anthony's not wrong, though. I am, I'm right. I, right. Two, two last <laughs> things about Kingsglaive. First, Everybody in the movie has normal color hair. They're they're a brunette, yep, yep. they're a blonde, they're a redhead. Like nobody's pink, like lightning, <laughs> or or purple. Like none of that. Like they're they're all supposed to be very grounded in reality. People. Okay. What about streaks? Like what nope. about like highlights? Nope. Just no highlights. A lot of cornrows. Not really. On no, white guys. Not cornrows. Yeah, oh, no, no, no one's some going of the to refugees braids. had like little dread yeah. things braids, going yeah, on. Yeah, there's there's some braiding action going on, but nothing. Braids okay. Nothing unreasonable. Some Padawan. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Padawan braids. Secondly, okay, so all all JRPGs, all, all JRPG fans have had this moment where their friend or loved one walks into the room while they're playing, and they ask a question like, "Oh, that looks neat. What's going on?" And you launch into an explanation. To answer a simple question that takes about 15 minutes and makes you sound like a crazy person. And the person goes, I'm really sorry I asked, and they walk out of the room. Because they're like, because you've started bringing up like crystals and light and gods and prophecies and serial killers. And like, this is, and that's just how it is. This, there is no part of this movie that you would have to do that. Like, somebody could walk in and go, oh gosh, what's going on? And you could say, something very, very simple that they could understand and relate to. He's yeah. mad at that guy. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Uh, also, so, watch, the, watch the anime. Like, yeah, you Brotherhood, said the anime is cool. I, as soon as I finish, because like, I finish it at one in the morning, and I was like, I, I need to, or, no, I finish it at like 11.30. I was like, I need, I, need, I need an outlet, because I have to do something, because this was so good. And like, I could have texted Anthony because he was throwing eggs at someone, but I didn't. <laughs> Because it was very late over there. Um, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, so, so I immediately started watching the three episodes of the anime that are up on YouTube right now, and like that uh, Brotherhood focuses on. Whereas like Kingslave is a prequel about how the kingdom is in the situation that it is when Final Fantasy 15 starts. Brotherhood is about 
giving a little bit more of the backstory of Noctis's friends and like a sort of like there's it's it's the prequel of them going like where they're going at the very beginning of 15 but that's more sort of a um, a shell for telling these flashback stories and they're just as like it they're just as relatable and humane as as Kingslave is like the story of Prompto it talks about how he was this little chubby kid back in grade school you know he Prompto's the really skinny like really excitable blonde kid that cooks all their meals uh, he was this chubby kid in grade school, and he finds a puppy, and he takes care of the puppy. But then the puppy ends up leaving because it, it actually belongs to Luna Freya, who's the princess from from the movie and the game. And and she's like, oh, like well, the, like the the scarf that was wrapped around the puppy's leg. They're like, who's Prompto? We have to find him and send him a note. And like Prompto goes to the same school as Noctis, so she's like, you, like you seem like a good person. I want you to be friends with Noctis and take care of him. And so he's like, okay, I want to be Noctis's friend, but Noctis is like too cool. Too cool for school, right? Like he's like, whatever. I'm just ladies fawning over me. I don't care. I'm an anime hero. Uh, and so Prompto's like, he he wants to be his friend, but he feels so awkward because he's he's kind of chunky. So then he go he starts working out like it, and it shows him like taking pictures of his progress and like getting like really excited about like meeting other joggers. Okay, it, and like I, it, I need to sum up because just this so this is how good Kingsglaive is because I don't watch anime. Yeah. And, and Dave's like, no, 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 you don't understand. The anime is as good as Kingslave. And I'm like, uh, oh, all right then. I guess I need to, to watch the anime too. So, so what we're saying is... Yeah, watch it. Watch that stuff. Watch it. All, it? The, all the transmedia. Yeah. Yeah. It's happening. It's actually yeah. good it's actually this good. time. It's legit. It's actually yeah, good It's actually time. worth experience. I think, guys, I think Final Fantasy 15 is going to be okay. <laughs> I think it, I think I'm, I'm excited. I think it's so, going to be fine. You all sound ridiculous. I know we do. I know. Go, <laughs> go play. Everybody go play uh, the Final Fantasy 15 demo oh, and then no. be like, what the hell yeah, is this? This is awful. And then go watch Kingsglaive and the anime because your mind will be blown. And uh, we would also, you know, I, I, I'm saying this to be a kiss ass. Go play Volume uh, because that's a pretty <laughs> cool game. Uh, and that is a, a cool game. And Coda is out when, Alexander? When is that happening? Uh, with with the launch of PlayStation VR, it will be a free upgrade uh, to everyone that owns Volume on PlayStation. Oh, oh there you go. And Alexander has vo- have the Volume has the limited run games copies of Volume already happened? No, uh, that is currently still in the pipeline. And, still in the pipeline. Uh, follow at Limited Run Games, I think, or is it at, just at Limited Run? And uh, you will be. The, that's the first place you'll find out when um, those become available. Man, I want one of those Vita cartridges so bad. The Vita uh, community has been amazing to us. Yes. <laughs> like they, it they're is, devoted. It is. It is. They have been great. So <laughs> yeah, I, I I am I'm very happy about supporting the Vita. Well, Alexander, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and and lending your insight into the whole Metroid thing, man. And I just enjoy podcasting with you again. This is delightful. Thanks for inviting me. It was good seeing you guys all again. And uh, everybody, if you would like more of this, you better subscribe to this action. We want you to go onto iTunes and subscribe. And also, review. I know like that everybody says that at the end of every like, single podcast follow, in history. Subscribe. Like, follow, subscribe. <laughs> like, follow, subscribe. Smoke weed every day for 20. No. No, too far. No, it actually, it, it helps us. It helps us keep doing this. 
it, it is very important. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter as well. You can follow uh, all of us. If you look at the show notes, all of our Twitter handles, including Alexander's, and the, the Twitter handle for Bithel Games is in there as well. We also have a podcast, too. It's called the and Bithel Games Podcast, and it's developer-focused. So if you want to listen to that, available on iTunes, Stitcher, <laughs> uh, Apple, uh, 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 Google Play Music, all that stuff. Like, like, follow, subscribe. Like, follow, subscribe. Don't smoke weed every day unless you live in a place where that's legal. Unless, yeah, unless you live in a place where that's legal. Oh, that's a thing. It is. I live yeah. in a place it's where it's legal, and I don't. Okay. I live, I, I live behind a pot store. I smell it constantly. Oh, ugh. I, think I think that's enough for me. The yeah. loneliest boy. The loneliest. <laughs> we also encourage everybody to, to go, and uh, we're going to be at Gamescom covering all the things for you in in the land of Gamescom. So go to gamesradar.com to catch up on all that action, and we will see you next week for episode 45. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.